Hi, thanks for joining the conversations around rugby and education. This week, again, we're meeting up with Sam McKenzie. He is, and let me try to get your uh, title correct, Junior Coach Development Manager at Auckland Rugby. Yep. Hang I got, on. Right, I got yeah, it right this time. Right, awesome. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us again, Sam. And um, we talked a little bit about your role last time we met, um, but, but this week I want to talk to you about transferable skills from one coach to the other. For our overseas audience is how we transfer skills from one sport to another sport. Uh, I did speak about Sam's extraordinary abilities and, and knowledge around AFL, which is Australian football. He's a very good player, and he, uh, I know that he transfers quite a few of his um, knowledge as a coach and, um, and how to coach, but also skills from the footy field, which we call AFL, to rugby. Yeah. Um, and how important is this, especially in the development grades? And well, here I'm going to talk a little bit broader than 13, Sam. Yep. I want to talk about yeah, yeah. it all through high school. How, how valuable is it for, for youth, and t- tapping on a little bit your, um, your sport education experience, yeah. um, how important is it for youth to have these transferable skills that, to get, that go from one sport to another? Yeah, I, I, I think it's huge. Um, in terms of if we talk about athlete development, um, sort of as a long-term athlete development model, um, it's becoming more and more evident that, uh, that sampling a lot of sports when you're younger, so la- specialising later, um, has some real benefits, mm-hmm. um, not just in terms of performance, but also uh, a few things around stopping overuse injury, burnout, all that sort of stuff. But one of the big things and one of the positives is that by playing a whole lot of different sports, you learn a whole lot of different sport movements and things, and you can take whether it's tactical awareness or just actual skill awareness um, and take that into another sport when you're later. So there's heaps of evidence of athletes when they're 17, 18, picking up a brand new sport and then becoming Olympians or becoming elite athletes in that sport, even though they never played it, but they had a real broad base of of sports skill, yeah. um, and so I think the more that we can get kids playing a whole lot of things, and then as coaches, how we can tap into those other sports skills that they have, or other movement skills that um, players have, and bring them into the um, sport that we're working within, uh, actually is a, has a real beneficial um, thing for these athletes, and also for us as coaches. So, so what does a coach, I mean, if I come across as a coach, um, yep. a, a, a child that's been playing soccer, football, yep. Uh, for about four or five years, he's now 12, 13 years old, and he's having a dig at rugby. What kind of things as a rugby coach would you be telling this coach to keep an eye out for this, for this, yeah. for this child? Well, I think one of the first things is um, any sport like rugby is quite a lin- linear game in the sense that it's played in 180 degrees, so everything's pretty much in front of you. Um, soccer and AFL is what I've come from is a, I would call a 360 degree game. Yeah. And that players are all around you. There aren't really many offsides, and if that's you know, we way away. So you've got players coming from everywhere. So the players' um, peripheral and their awareness around them will actually be quite strong. And so you can kind of tap into that. And so as a coach, I'd be saying, well, if you've got a kid who's come across, how about in your training you put them in scenarios that they're going to feel comfortable in because you might play offside touch or something like that yeah. where players will be coming from and they get to use the skill that they've that they have from their other sport and they get to put that into a bit of a into a more rugby context yeah. and they get to use that and so suddenly that kid's starting to go oh this isn't actually that different to what I've been doing yeah. because now I can use those skills and then and then you start to dial into it into how it works in an actual rugby context as well perfect so 
for the many soccer players that can become um, rugby players, um, their peripheral vision yeah. uh, would be fantastic. Um, I had when I was in, in Chile uh, just uh, a month ago. One of the opportunities we had was to visit the University of Chile uh, football club, which yeah. is the professional football club, one of the strong clubs in South America. And we had a chance to watch um, a game of their under twenties. And I tell you, I mean, the size, the fitness of those boys, I yeah. could have probably picked out six or seven of them on that field to join a rugby team. Yeah, yeah. So uh, don't, uh, I would say don't look at, uh, at other sports as a, as a downer because yeah. actually you can actually bring them across and use that, for example, peripheral vision. Uh, what kind of uh, transferable skills do you work on here in, in your weekly or monthly yeah. basis? So, so my, uh, my area is mainly around kicking and high ball catching. So from an AFL background, uh, kicking is obviously a, a massive skill. Um, and then high ball taking as well, which as we move into rugby is becoming more and more important. Um, whether you're a lot going up, um, receiving kickoffs, um, or if you're in the back three and yeah. having to take uh, a high catch and things like that. Yeah. Especially as now we've seen more and more kicking to compete. So teams will kick to then try and compete with the ball. So if, yeah. you can, if you're very good in the air jumping out catching, then you're gonna go pretty well. And so I use that, and not only in rugby union, but also in rugby league as yeah. well. So I've got experience kind of going across um, multiple sports, um, using those skills and kind of bringing them into the different sport context as well. And, and they provide an edge at the end, don't they, for that, for yeah. that player? The, the player yeah. that does have these added skills to the code that they're playing, it, it gives them an edge. It does, yep. Yeah. And so some of them, will, you might think, say they might, they could be quite elite at that skill and you yeah. tend to get picked on what you can do and not necessarily on what you can't do. Right. And so one of the big things is if you can do something really, really well, well they're going to look at that and that's probably what's going to get you selected and, and then you sort of plug your gaps around that. And so for a player, if they wanted to push on, the better they can be out at certain skills, then that does give them a bit, really big advantage. So, so definitely the tip for coaches is don't look at a, at a kid that hasn't played a sport for too long as a disadvantage on yeah. your team. They could actually be, they could actually have an edge that can help your team because they're transferring these skills over. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with you in regards to when you're choosing your players. Uh, you sometimes have a player that's played the sport for five, six years, yep. and then you have one that's only played it for one or two years because they have come from a different sport. Um, and, and that whole adjustment as a coach of, uh, which player do I use? Which player do I choose? Yeah. Which player do I give more confidence to? Uh, share that a little bit with me. Yeah, well, I think it's. A, I think it can be really difficult. So if you're a, I think this is this sort of where we were heading with the conversation. So if you're 14 and you've played the game since you were five years old in New Zealand, so you've been playing it for nine years, um, and then you've got another kid who started in that 10, and so they've only played the game for four years. There's a massive difference in terms of at being such a young age, yet when things even out when they get to 22 so now the kid who's been playing since he was 5 years played for 17 years it's a long time but that kid who started at 10 well he's been playing for 12 years now so actually now it's not such a big gap and so when we are dealing with the younger athletes especially we tend to look at two players and we'll tend to go with the one who we think might be better who is probably or disproportionately more likely to be the one who's played for longer yeah. And so we need to be really conscious of that as coaches and as selectors if we're in a selection position because you need, you need to understand the player and where they've come from because that person who's only played for a couple of years might have a big upside. Yeah. They might actually, or they're just still learning the game. They're at such a, you know, that's such a baby age in terms of their rugby development. Yeah. 
that we need to look at them and go, well, what could they be? And then when it's the one who's played for a lot longer, you kind of have a little bit more of an idea of kind of where they're at. Obviously, they're still developing, but they've had a much longer time. And so we need to be really conscious of that when we're doing a lot of these things. And that's why selecting teams at a young age and having a selection process and things is a real minefield because you've got things like that. So people have transferred. You've also got a whole lot of stuff around. Are they developing early? Are they older? All that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, and, and, and it's always going to be a hard one because as a coach, you, you want to win. But the big thing is when we're talking about developing grades, yeah. is winning the whole purpose of it? Or is it actually developing that experience, that knowledge of the yeah. game, those abilities and those skills for that player to be an asset to your bigger program yeah. at the age of 18 or 22? Yeah, and it, it becomes well, what is, you've got to ask yourself, what is success? Is it the performance here and now, or is it their long-term development? And I'm a big advocate. Well, we need to look at their long-term development. And are we giving them the tools that they can have to be successful when they're 18, 19, 20, as opposed to right now? And because success at 14 can look quite different to success at 20. And also the things that you need to teach. So you might need to teach some kids, like if I look at my kicking from my transferable background, I might have a kid who can't kick. Because he hasn't, he's never played a kick. He's a basketball player, and he's come in and played. He's never, never kicked before. So I'm working with him on something that he's not very good at. But I need him at 14 to start putting it into the game. But that might mean my team might lose a few games because he might have a shocker with the boot. But I look at that and I go, that's okay, because we're looking at in six years' time he's going to have now have that experience of kicking in games, and then that's going to help him out when he's 20. But if I said to him, no, actually, I want to win now. So you're not allowed to kick in a game because if you do, you're going to shank it and we're going to be in trouble. So I, then I'm actually cutting him out for his knees because when he gets to 20 and he says, oh, I'm a 10, you know, I play first five, and they go, well, can you kick? And he goes, oh, no, because my coach always told me not to kick because I wasn't good at it. And they go, well, actually, you need to be able to kick as a 10. So I'm, I've actually hurt him just so that I can have a win, and, you know, a big W in the win column. And so that really is when you look at it, it kind of opens to your eyes and go, oh, no, actually, well, what am I here for? In, that, in this age group, yeah. in my development, actually, I'm here to actually help these players to become better. And that might mean they have to do some things they're not that good at, but that's going to help them in the long run. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, with the conversations we were having overseas, they're saying, yeah, that's pretty easy for you to say because you come from New Zealand and you guys are still the world champions and, yeah, and you yeah. and you got a huge pool of players. How many players do you have here in Auckland at under-13 level, uh, Sam? Oh, and under, I know in our intermediate age groups, so that's year 7 and 8 in our school, so 12 and 13, we have 3,142 registered players, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so... That's at under 12s and under 13s. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it's easy for you to actually... The players that don't develop over two years, you'll go, well, that one's out of the system. You pull another one out of the 3,000 number that you have. Yeah, yeah. But our big problem is that if we're not developing those... The other groups, like if we just select on, on teams and we say, well, this kid can't kick now, so we're going to pick someone else, well, then we start to funnel that talent. And then if we don't give those the other 2,000 kids the opportunity to develop and give them the, that um, experience, then when we get to the 18 and those 2,000 drop out and then those other kids actually, geez, they didn't quite turn out how, you know, exactly what we thought they would be or they actually that was our lot because he, he was 5'10 at 14, but he's still 5'10 at 20 then we're in a bit of trouble. So. And that's exactly where I wanted to push you yeah. because that's, uh, I think that's what really happens. I mean, we, we limit those, those players early, you funnel the talent out, and you might have one of those 2,000 other kids that we didn't develop stronger, yeah. 
and that kid could be an asset at the age of 18, yeah. 20. And like you said, I think great example there, uh, he might have been a lock because he was five foot 10, six feet tall yeah. at the age of 13, 14, but he didn't grow anymore. Yeah. And he ended up being a first five, and we didn't have the possibility of working on other skills with him yep. because we always limited him in terms of what we used him for. Yeah, and, and a lot of that comes down to that if you have a real, perf- and I call it performance focus, so performance in terms of the result. So if you have a really performance focus in, in those development things, you tend to get people to do what A, what they're good at, or what they most likely fit at that age, but not necessarily where they're going to be into at 20 or 18, 19, 20. And so we need to make sure that we're developing all these skills. So it might mean that you're playing players out of position, out of yeah. what they consider to be their position. And I say that with inverted yeah. commas because the, yeah, I believe that in 13, you, you don't have a position because you've got no idea what shape you're going to be when yeah. you're older. You just don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and anyone who says that they do is probably telling fibs because yeah. that, it is very hard to tell. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean... Well, you know, my, my youngest son, Max, um, he's transferred from rugby that he played since the age of three to football, soccer, yeah. for two, the past few years. And last year, in his first full year season of soccer, he was a natural-born striker. And we're like, ah, yeah. oh, that's his position. But he also played goalie, you know? Yeah. And this year, he's been like a wild card. They've moved him around every single position on the field. And at one moment, it was quite confusing for him. But to tell you the truth, coming out of the end of the year... He's a much stronger yeah. all-around player because he he understands the game a lot better. For a, so for a kid that's been into the second season of a new sport, he's actually because of that experience of being able to rotate, he has a much stronger knowledge yeah. of the sport that he acquired much quicker than if he would would have just played one position. Yeah, and and especially so again, and, and Max is a perfect example of like, like a transfer. So he's transferred across. So he's actually trying to learn the game pretty quick. And what better way to learn the game pretty quick than actually play all the different positions so you get a handle. So if he then suddenly does become a striker, he actually now understands what defenders are trying to do and what, what works for them. So then as a striker, you're now, you can think like a defender, so then you can start to think of how then as a striker you can mitigate all that sort of stuff or as a midfielder. And, and that's the same with, um, so, you know, especially overseas, if you're transferring a few kids, you need to get them to play lots of different positions so they actually fully understand the game. Yeah. And so I'd be like, definitely, rotate them around. Get, you know, give them a chance kicking, because you never know who might be the one. Give them a chance to take a high ball or whatever it is, whatever the skill set is, and because that means that they'll become a lot more well-rounded. So imagine you were the development officer at, at a club overseas, and we're talking here in Latin America. Yeah. You know? um, what would you tell your age group coaches? A couple, couple of things you would tell them in regards to uh, giving those kids game time rotation, yep. use of different skill sets. What would you tell them at the beginning of the season to do with their team? Because you say, we don't want to focus on performance because success can have different... Yeah. different uh, so a, a big thing is, again, and I think I actually already talked about that in the last time we chatted for this, um, which was around get to know your kids and get to connect with them because then you will find out a lot more around who's, what kids have played for a long time, which kids haven't, where they've played before, that sort of thing. Um, second one would be all equal playing time. They need you, If you start to kind of be like, oh no, well we need to have this kid play in this position or whatever so that we can have a chance to win, it's like, well actually, give the kids lots of opportunities because if you put a kid in and the game's tight and then suddenly you're 
key playmaker, you move to someone else. That's actually a really cool learning experience for that kid. And so they'll actually have an opportunity to have a little bit of pressure and go and whether they fail or succeed is irrelevant because it's up to you as a coach to foster that environment where you can talk them through it and, and help build that resilience and all that cool stuff that as coaches we can do. Um, so it would be around yeah, equal playing time, lots of different positions and get to know your um, kids because that way you can actually connect with them again and connect with them which means you can explain to them and really help them out to understand just like you're saying with Max. It was a bit confusing for him. So as a coach, it's your job to help make that less confusing and you kind of explain why. And I'm big on with kids. They're actually pretty perceptive and smart. Yep. So actually if you explain to them, this is why we're doing this, they might not. They might go, oh, that's not that great. I don't like yep. playing defender. But they'll actually get it. Yep. And as long as you get it and then define for them what is success when you're a defender and as an attacker, then they can work on those little things and they can see those improvements. And we know if they start to think they're getting better... You know, then that actually is they actually feel like actually I, I really enjoy this. Yeah. And so that's what you're just trying to create. Yeah. So yeah, lots of positions, get to know them and uh, make sure that they um, get heaps of game time. So they've all got equal yeah. game time. So lots of positions, lots of game time for everyone, yeah. or equal game time for everyone, and get to know your your players. Yeah. If those three things make sense to you, you probably will have a really successful rugby player at the age of 22. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Uh, Um, Thanks for all your time. And to our overseas listeners, thanks again for for listening to our podcast. We went a bit longer this week, but I hope you enjoyed it. A few good tips from Sam McKenzie here from the Auckland Rugby Union. Enjoy the rest of your summer, guys. Bye.